0: shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does that mean? That means every knee, every world leader, regardless of where they're spending eternity, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone. It's a matter of timing, I'm much more advocate for discussing his lordship now and declaring his lordship now than before you perish. Let's make sure we have that in sync. If I have a goal, I I do have goals. I mean, I have goals. But this one is, um, it's it's not as measurable a goal as I would like, Uh, but that's okay. The Lord knows what it is. I want to spend, I want to invest my time this year getting this particular congregation more a hold of fasting and spending time in personal worship more on your own than the corporate fast. I want the corporate fast to be a catalyst for you as families, for you as couples, for you as individuals to fast on your own in addition to the corporate fast to take it upon yourself to sense and have a sensitivity to this you know this is something i need to be doing right now it may be an individual maybe a couple it could be a family but nonetheless be sensitive to the to the practice of fasting in your everyday life okay and to your personal times of prayer and worship i want to see that i think the lord wants to see that more importantly Multiply a little bit more in our life and not just rely upon the occasional corporate fast. Now, fasting sometimes is food, sometimes it's media. That'd be a good one. St- uh, and all kinds of stimuli in our life. You know, here's the thing. We live in a world whereby one is good, two is better, and three is a whole lot better. And five is just great. More, more, more. And not only more and more and more, quicker, quicker, quicker. And we serve a God who wants us to be content and grateful with less, 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 and be more and more patient and wait on Him. You see, there's a clash between who it is you're called to be and I'm called to be and what this world wants for us to conform to. And therein lies the rub. The pastor in 2022 and 21st century has to be the guy that says, yeah, I see that out there, I live in it too, but you're called to something different. You're called to be a bit of an alien, okay? You're called to be a bit of a foreigner. Your, listen now, your citizenship is first in heaven. You're seated in heavenly places with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So my role in your life is to Have you look at what it is you're called to, who you're called to be, not do, but who you're called to be, and it may be at times odd. Now, I find some of you odd anyway, as I'm sure you find me odd. We're all odd. We're all different. We all celebrate our differences. But there should be a peculiarity to the Christian in the 2022. If you don't stand down in some way, shape, or form, if someone doesn't have a thought every now and again, something different about that, dude, I don't know what it is, in a good way. Not in some goofy way. Not in some overbearing way. Not in some legalistic way. But there ought to be something different about us. How we react to things. What we say. What we don't say. How we say it. And I say all that to say, God calls us to fast. I don't see anybody else fasting. I mean, people talking about it. The fasting I'm talking about it is, you fill yourself up with truth. As you exchange what you normally fill yourself up with. And you find contentment, a greater sensitivity to the presence of God. And a heightened purpose for why you're here. So there's three things I wanna talk about today. It's an odd message, frankly. And I'm gonna start with the last one. Our sundown is at 6.33 tonight. Those of you listening in Alabama, parts of Alabama and uh, New Orleans, your sundown's at 6.02. You're an hour behind us, but you're 30 minutes sundown. I don't really know how to figure that out. But I I say that to say, between now and that time, it is my hope that the Lord would speak to you and just kind of woo you into something different for the next 21 days. It's different right now. Sounds pretty good to me. Three words: consecrate, commemorate, and capitulate. Now, let's start with capitulate. What does this word mean? It is um. It is this idea of um, ceasing to reject, to resist a command. It is, uh, in many respects, as it relates to the Lord, it's surrender. All right? You want to win a war, a spiritual war? Then surrender. Surrender to the one who's actually at the front of the battle, Christ himself. We'll get to that in a moment. But capitulate, to, to, be, to be surrendered to. It's becoming rare, more and more um, unusual to find a church with a pulpit that will encourage others to surrender. Uh, everybody wants to fight, 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 fight. But there are, and there, there's times for that, no doubt about it. But there are times to surrender. And when it comes to the Lord, surrendering is one of the best offensive moves you can make. It takes humiliation, it takes brokenness, it takes teachability, and boy, the results are significant. I'm gonna read this to you, Joshua 5 and 14, and I'm giving you these um, passages with the hopes that throughout the fast, you'll go back and listen. You'll go back and read these passages. They'll mean something more to you than just sitting here and letting them kind of speak over you. Joshua is a successor to Moses. He's going into Canaan, Uh, He's a military commander. He's going to take Jericho. He has many cities beyond him, and uh, he's preparing for that. He's just crossed the Jordan. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread, and roasted grain. This is very significant. The manna stopped that day. All right, this idea of God providing man in the desert's over. We've got a new thing going on now. We're shifting gears into a whole new chapter. We're about to occupy much of which is modern-day Israel. The manna stopped that day after they ate this food from the land, and there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. This is odd. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? This is a theophany. This is is Christ in the Old Testament. This is a manifestation of a a visual and bodily Christ as a commander of the Lord's army in a field in front of Joshua before he's about to take Canaan. He's preparing himself for battle. He's trying to think. He's got his, his whole battle plan is, is goofy, to say the least. It's just a bunch of marching in a circle around the town and blowing some trumpets and yelling a bit. So he's, he's like preparing for this. He's feeling the weight of what it means to be a successor to, okay, Moses. There's a tough job there. He says, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua, getting a sense this isn't your ordinary visitation, fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Time, Time out. The Canaanites versus the Israelites, are you for us or you are for our enemies? Neither. What is that? First I thought, shh, I found my first misprint in the entire Bible. 25 years, there it is, I found it. What do you mean neither? Wait a minute, I thought we had this whole thing worked out. Battle plans, invasions, sieges. What? Yes, that's what it says. Neither. You see, it's confusing. But then again, God's not the author of confusion. Why would he say neither? Why would he say, Joshua, you're my main man? Over there, Jordan, you see Moses, you're down here. I selected you. I'm with you all the way, babe. We're going in there and we're gonna kick somebody. No. It says neither. I don't care if you look at King James, New King James, Phillips, whatever translation you want to, basically it says neither. Why? It's a subtle point. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And finally I realized, oh my goodness. We don't see it as as, as quick as we should see it. Because we live in this mentality. We see it so often, we don't see it at all. We don't see it because we expect it. We don't see it because in many respects, it defines our faith. And it's not exactly accurate. Granted, it's a nuance, but it's important. I don't go to the Lord and ask him if he's on my side. I look to the Lord and say, what is your side? And I put myself on it. He's not here for us to present our agenda and then ask him to play on our team. Our job is to look to him, figure out what his agenda is, and regardless of what we think about it, get on his team. His neither is profound. He has has that same question for the enemy. The enemy has the opportunity to ask him, hey, are you on our side or are you with the Israelites? Neither. Well, there it is. That opens the door. He opens the door for further conversation. He doesn't shut down communication. He says neither. Beckoning another question. What do you mean neither? Lord, what is your will? and I'll bend my knee to that. I will and should never bring my will to you and ask you to conform to it. You see, the Christian in the 21st century is slowly but surely being bombarded with messages that say you really don't have to obey. This is some sort of, Christianity is some sort of therapeutic self-fulfillment Train. Get on that, where you go to church and figure out how to be the best you you can be. And the Lord might even help you in your process of making you who you seem to think you need to be. When in reality, there's a call to obedience. Nonconformity. Humility. Words that may not be used much 50, 60 years from now. If we become so seeker-friendly, so, so uh, dumbing down our message, and so diluted into the rest of the world, there's nothing about us that will appear attractive whatsoever. I'm not saying be legalistic. I'm not saying put people on guilt trips. But I'm saying have some boundaries. Whose side are you on? Ours or the Canaanite? Neither. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, wherever you are, I'm on your side. Whatever you want me to do, I'm on your side. I'm here to serve you and you alone. Your your idea for what I need to do is more important than my idea of what I want to do. I'm not here to do what I want to do. I'm here to do what you want me to do. I'm here to obey you because I love you. I'm here to serve you. I am an alien and a foreigner, and my citizenship is in heaven, first and foremost. I'm on your side. I don't know what your side is and the outcome of this conflict, but I'm on your side. Not a bad place to start. We can't approach life egocentrically. We have to capitulate to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We celebrate our salvation. We celebrate the Holy Communion, the Eucharist. We celebrate all of those things, the forgiveness of sin, eternal life. But somewhere on the plate, leave room for a serving of lordship. Just to round out the fair, let's put a little lordship in there. And the lordship, the, capitula- the capitulation to his lordship is, is, is a call to, listen to me now, it's a call to fast. Nobody in heaven cares what you think about that, nor my, what my thoughts are. Isn't that, a, isn't that a negotiation? Isn't it some sort of settlement we're gonna put together? Isn't some kind of like discourse? It's a call to separation. It's a call to stillness. It's a call to fast. It's a call that, that God places upon his people. It's like saying, are God, are you for or against fast? Are you for or against me fasting? Wait a minute. Did you not read the Sermon on the Mount? It's a call to fast. Now, you might have physical issues. I get that. I, I mean, I'm not advocating everybody sit around and themselves. Come on. I'm saying there's a principle here at work, and we all need to get on board with it. Capitulate. The commander of the Lord's army replied, after the question of what side he's for, and the revelation of one falling face down on the ground. Take off your sandals, he said, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I would much rather, as a commander of the Lord's army, have gone through that experience of falling face down on the ground before God and pleasing God and taking off my shoes than, hey, whose side are you on? I'm on your side, buddy. All right, go get them, and off I go. I like the ending of this one far better. I'm quaking in my boots knowing that the Lord is pleased I have far less to worry about, come the Canaanites, than if I portrayed myself as to be some sort of servant of God and I'm gonna tap dance for him and perform for him and lead these armies, and boy, isn't he gonna be pleased. What's your will? I'll come join you. Because it works both ways, friend. If God's will was for Joshua to be annihilated, thank God it wasn't, then. Joshua needed to be on board with that. It's being on board with him is more important than the results. Capitulate. The second word is consecrate. Daniel chapter 1. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. Uh, chief of the court officials to bring into him the king's service, some of the Israelites from the royal army and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect. Handsome. Showing aptitude for every kind of learning. It sounds like the McKims, doesn't it? <laughs> They're all good looking. Uh, never mind, whatever. Two of our elders, you know. Young man without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that were to enter the king's service. These are, these are some hand-picked uh, young people uh, that, that, that were well-trained. I mean, they, they had serious potential. I mean, they King wanted, well, what he wanted to do is indoctrinate these young men into his service, having their perspective, their learning, and bring them into his purposes. But he saw that they were adept. They saw, he saw that they they had an acumen. They, they, they had something going on that but, if fostered, and given time could really work out. So Daniel's among those. Young men, teachable, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. People who thought beyond the common man, thought potential, thought possibility, thought that they could handle responsibility, they could be leaders, So that's what they had, and they throw Daniel in the middle of that verse eight. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It all sounded so good. But then said Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Whoa. Okay. Daniel was adept. He was learned. He was perceptive. He did have the art of observation. He observed that though he may have felt good about being selected, though for the wrong cause, nonetheless selected and complimented, that this is not something he wanted to really be a part of. He did not want to be defiled by the king's kitchen. Wow. I think King Nebuchadnezzar underestimated Daniel, underestimated his worthiness as a leader. And Daniel said to the guard, "'Please test your servant for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young man who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see.' So he agreed to to this and tested them for ten days." Notice he said, he resolved not to defile himself. And then he said, he asked for permission not to defile himself this way. In other words, he's asking the guard for permission, for a reason. None of us really want to fast all alone. He had the safeguard of only receiving the foods that he asked for and asked permission, what he's really asking the guard to do is just to give him those foods. He doesn't have to worry about how he feels about what he eats or doesn't eat. He's getting those foods because he asked for them. He got permission to do so. Now he's gonna go on his way. He said, after 10 days, you can figure this out. You can compare us to the other people. To these four young young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and, and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Wow. In chapter 10, he does a fast for 21 days, which is what we're doing. Some of us are doing. Wow. Fast, no brain fog. If I see one more Prevagen commercial. (laughs) But the problem is I keep forgetting the previous one. (laughs) And I fail to get tired of it. If I see one more guy going on, I go, I got brain fog. What what he's really saying is my wife is yelling at me constantly. I can't remember her own name. I can't think. I can't. I'm not Could it be your diet? Could it be? Toxins? Could it be? The temple of the Holy Spirit, now I'm preaching to myself, has been defiled too often. By those eight pack of donuts at the 4th Street market. Yeah. There is a brain fog in the land. This description of these four guys does not fit the description of most Americans. Unfortunately, And here's a guy just with the the physiology of it all figures it out. By looking at his his peers, his Babylonian peers in his class, he looks over at them and goes, man, they look rough. They don't even think clearly. They can't even solve problems. He goes, just wait. We get on this diet here. We get on this fast here. We're going to have acuity, sensitivity, clarity. Oh, and beyond that, God's going to share his secrets with us, visions and dreams, I hear it all the time. I, you know, I don't think God, you know, speaks to people that way anymore. Not not in dreams and visions. Well, not when you're sucking down three or four pizzas and some ho-hos either. You know, faith without works is dead. You have the greatest faith in the world, but sometimes you don't hear from God because you're You're not in a place where the well-roundedness of God is balanced in your life. Spirit, mind, body, exercise, intellectualism, talking, thinking, figuring stuff out. It's a big package. I counsel with people all the time when their life gets out of balance. I say, your life is like a a pie pan, friend. It's got eight slices in it. What, What slices do you want to put in there? Your social life? how you take care of your physical health, your relationships, your family, your marriage, your finances, whatever, however you want to do it. And I go, the way you're describing your life to me, I can tell you that that one sliver you're having the most trouble with is a sliver because everything else in your life is huge. You work so much, you have no family life. You have so much family life, you can't keep a job. You don't take care of yourself, you have no energy. You can't solve a problem because you can't think Five minutes ahead into the future. And Daniel is, 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 the, is the guy in the Bible that points this out to the body of Christ. He really is. Hey, we gotta take better care of ourselves. And yes, that's a benefit of a fast. And yes, it's plain as day right here. He consecrates. In other words, what's a fancy word for what? It's why seminaries charge so much money. They tell you all the fancy words. Consecrate, to set something aside and devote it only to God himself. 21 days. Consecrated is for him, for his purposes, for listening to him, for worshiping him, for doing less television, less this, less that, whatever it is. Consecrated, put aside, set apart for a specific purpose. So we are to capitulate, surrender to the authority of God, the commands of God, the will of God first, and we are to consecrate ourselves to him. Consecrate our bodies. He does this all the time in the Old Testament. This, uh, all right, you guys uh, don't have any kind of uh, relations uh, for for three days before the battle, or, uh, you know, he gives you Sabbath, he gives you celebrations, he gives you Passover. Consecrated time not to be encroached upon by things of the world that actually have a purpose to them that make you better on the back end of it when you come through it. That's God. Consecration. Are you capitulating? Are you consecrating? And then the last one, my favorite. Are you commemorating? Jacob, in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 22, go back and look at this later, Jacob just has this vision of Jacob's ladder. I mean, would that not blow your ever-loving mind? He sees people ascending, <laughs> decent, he's talking about, man, this whole spiritual thing, this thing I just had, this vision, it was like it was happening, it was like I could see it, it was like I could touch it. I wasn't asleep, it was there, I saw It comes back up in the New Testament. That was so profound to him, he wanted to remember it, he wanted to commemorate it, he wanted to mark it. So he took a stone and used it as a pillow. A well, little comfy, huh? And he took that stone and he left it there. It commemorated that event. It, uh, it was there wherever Jacob went and he called the place Bethel, which means house of the Lord. He, he could go anywhere in the world but he knew that rock would be right there. He commemorated it. Now, Joshua, back to him, he crosses over the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant, the priest leading the way. The water stops flowing all the way to a town called Adam. What is that? It's almost a, a metaphor. I'm going to stop this water as you enter this promised land and I'm going to show you that I've been at work all the way since Adam and I've been looking forward to this. They cross over the Jordan. They get everybody on the other side. They're staring at Jericho and he goes, man, give me some rocks. You we've got to get 12 rocks. We need to memorialize this happening here. We need to we need to take them and put them together so that for as long as, as these rocks are here, for generations to come, people will look at those rocks and know this is where that water stopped all the way to a town called Adam and we crossed over into a whole new chapter of our history. So here's what I'm gonna do. I got me a rock this morning. This is my rock. And this rock right here is going to commemorate my fast. And I'm going to put this on our property in a place where I know it is, and I can see it every time I drive home. And I'm going to commemorate visually and remember what the Lord did during this fast in my personal life and in my heart with a rock. Good enough for Jacob is good enough for me. Good enough for Joshua is good enough for me. I know exactly where this is gonna go. And whatever the Lord teaches me, whatever he shows me in this 21 days, whatever he has to pry out of my heart, whatever he has to do, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm gonna commemorate. I'm gonna look at that rock and I'm gonna say, amen. Every time I come home, I'm gonna go, yeah. There it is, I don't have that anymore. There it is, I have that now. There it is, I got back on track. There it is, I got off the track. Whatever the case may be, I got got myself a plan to commemorate how I consecrated myself to the Lord because whether I wanted to or not, I capitulated to what he wanted me to do. And I have something consecrated for 21 days. I may end up a nicer husband. I may end up more affectionate, more loving, more caring, more patient more still, more prayerful, more worshipful. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. That's the exciting part. I have no idea what it's going to be. Because I could go to him and I say, do you, what do you think about me fasting? Are you for it or against it? Neither. <laughs> Neither. I just want your heart. I want all of it. You got to fast to do that? Fine. I want all your heart. Let's capitulate to that. Anything in your heart is contrary to me, anything that needs to be rooted out of that heart, any hurt, any pain, any whatever, I want it. Oh, okay. You want my heart, I capitulate. Your heart is my heart. Why? Because I eat some vegetables and some fruits? No, because I posture myself in a place. I'm gonna do what I read. And I, as goofy as it may sound to me at times and to anyone else in the world, God said it, God wrote it, God remembered it, God recorded it, God preserved it, God protected it for me to read, and there's something there for me. And frankly, there's something there for you. I don't know, this could be the deoccupation of Ukraine in 21 days for all I know. I have no idea what it's gonna be, but I'm excited. And God is never boring, never boring. This could be a healing, could be multiple healings. Some of you have a new chapter of life ahead of you. You just came out of a situation, it was a storm. Sun's coming up over the horizon. Some of you are empty nesters. Some of you are praying for your grandchildren. You're praying for the salvation of your family. You're praying for healing. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But do you have a rock to commemorate it? Capitulate. Consecrate. Commemorate. Pretty exciting. I know that I could take the next 21 days of my life and live exactly like and practice exactly what I'm doing now. Eat the very same things or eat as much as I want, do as much as I want, and do anything and everything different than this fast. I know I can do that, and I know the results. But the one thing I don't know, and I happen to have a high opinion of myself, if you noticed, the one thing I do not know is what will happen on the 22nd day because the journey is the destination. I don't fast so that God will, uh, on the 22nd day, swoop in and give me something to open with a big bow on it. That'd be great, but that doesn't have to happen. Been around the block long enough to know that's not how you fast. On the 22nd day, when I got my rock, it may just be that sweet, sensitive, abiding presence during that fast was increasingly undeniable. I may have no possession to show for it. I may have no testimony to share over it other than he and I were like that. I didn't need a God of the earthquake or a God of the fire. I just needed a God who was close enough to whisper to me. In fact, he's within me. I'll commemorate that any day. We worship a God who allowed himself to be broken. Broken. We worship Jesus Christ who capitulated to the will of the Father. And a lamb before the shears was silent. He had but one question, a fair one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the only answer, son, you are one with the sin of the world and for the next few moments the sin of the world cannot have access to the Holy of Holies but son you capitulated out of love no greater love for all of mankind and I will celebrate you I will set you apart at my right hand, and I will commemorate you for all eternity, as will those who allow themselves to partake of the brokenness that you have provided on their behalf. If you don't have the elements, just raise your hand. We'll have someone bring those to you. Over here, Barbie, Lane. If you're here this morning or you're online and you've never, maybe you've danced around Christianity a little bit, maybe you've associated with the church, perhaps. Maybe you've had some conversations about God. Maybe you're under the impression that you know him, but in reality, maybe you just know a little bit about him. I want to share something with you. Every knee in heaven on earth, under the earth, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen. What we need to make our life about is sharing that good news news of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ this side of the grave not the other side this is our purpose our high purpose but if you've not yet accepted him as your I mean personal you know I know what I'm talking about when I say personal you know what I'm trying to tell you personal personal intimate close you're known and you know Knowable you, knowable God. Friendship, discourse, conversation, lessons learned, celebrations, laughter, provision, testimony, healing. You know, you know. But if you don't know, you need to capitulate. and Say, yes, I'm a sinner. Like everyone else, you're a sinner. Like me, you're a sinner welcome the human race. And I need forgiveness for that sin, Lord. And it only comes by way of the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my behalf, that my sins would be paid for. The punishment of my sin would be upon him that I might receive the forgiveness of sin. His lordship, his salvation, and eternal life. If, if, if that's something you've danced around, I just had a friend, a new friend, I've been ministered to. Died a few days ago. Is he in heaven? I do not know. I do not know. I sent him a copy of uh, More Than a Carpenter, and I never had a chance to talk to him about it. I do not know. And I want to I, I know about you. If you've never accepted Christ, well, there's no, no thing more important than that. I want to pray with you. I'll pray for you. Legion of prayer. Does anybody here need to accept Jesus Christ? Never accept Him as your Lord. You're not born again. All right, well, here we come to the table. The body of the capitulator who yielded his wants, comfort to the will of the Father on your behalf. No greater love as one that'll lay down his life for his friend. And he laid down his life for you, the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's partake. Man flouts his power. Man wields his sword. Man destroys and overcomes and builds his pride and his status. He invents things and goes places and does things. He builds his towers of Babel. And all the collective power of man can't stand up to the power of one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ. It solves every problem ever. You're sanctified by the blood and you're justified by the blood. Your sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Don't lose sight of sin, my friend. Because once you do, the forgiveness of of it means little. And we cry, Abba, Father, your sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb.